Larry Tam, 2021. Uh, today we have uh, Professor Peter Geshera, Emeritus Professor of Anthropology at the University of Amsterdam, uh, who is perhaps most famous for, for the modernity of witchcraft, his book, uh, Politics and the Occult in Postcolonial Africa. And we were just talking about the possibility of, you know, mobilizing witches, you know, to help in uh, making it possible for him to see everyone yeah, shortly before we started. Uh, the second presenter is uh, Dr. Rogers Orok, who is a senior lecturer uh, in the Anthropology Department at uh, University of Wits in uh, Joburg, Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, both would be speaking to the uh, theme of Anusukrati, free ministry, sexual transgressions, and illicit enrichment in post-colonial Africa. Uh, so please join me in welcoming uh, Professors uh, Geshere and Orok. Um, over to you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Wale. Uh, we would like to uh, start by thanking um, Wale and, and Peter Brook for inviting us to speak in the series for this term. Uh, we should say that this paper is part of our collaborative project on Freemasonry, postcolonial homophobia, and illicit enrichment in Cameroon and Gabon. Uh, and uh, Brenda, I don't know whether your screen is shared so that everyone sees the slides. If you could load those, please. I am on it. Thank you. So, <clears throat> although we began work on this project in 2017, we arrived at this uh, shared interest from our various experiences while living and or working in the, in the field in Cameroon. As Peter tells it in his uh, 2016 address to the African Studies Association, he had long been familiar with some rumors on Freemasonry and the links to homosexuality that people often make in Cameroon uh, during the time he was doing fieldwork in the 70s and the 80s there. In my case, in the 1990s and early 2000s, I grew up in Douala, Cameroon's largest urban uh, center. Rumors about Freemasonry and other Western esoteric societies like Amok those rumors were common uh, during this time i also often heard gossip about the elite and or people considered to be wealthy uh, being associated with these esoteric societies but it was especially uh, while conducting uh, fieldwork on elites and political mobilization in cameroon for my doctoral dissertation between 2010 and 2012, that I became struck by the frequent conversations and uh, suspicions that link elites in Cameroon to these esoteric circles, as well as the new explosive accusations leveled against uh, so-called homosexuals from the late 2005 onwards. We will talk about these explosive accusations uh, in a moment. Indeed, much of the context for the ongoing discussions on post-colonial homophobia in Cameroon can be traced uh, to that explosive moment in the mid-2000s. Overall, our effort is to make sense of the public representations and popular assumptions that are held about the power, influence, uh, and actions of Freemasonry and similar secret societies in contemporary society in Cameroon. We draw on historical and anthropological approaches to study these rumors um, that link Freemasonry and homosexuality. And our ethnographic data is drawn from our observations, interviews, and a variety of documentary resources. 
In terms of observations, this is grounded primarily in our long familiarity with the context uh, in which um, these rumors uh, thrive. In addition, we, we draw on a medley of conversations and observations on these developments and analyze this in relation to uh, some of the archival material that we have managed to gather during the time uh, of our visits in Paris, London, and uh, in Peter's case, uh, Belgium, <clears throat> as well as conversations with some Masons in, uh, in these places. An important aspect for us is also the uh, wide variety of material, documentary material that exists uh, within the public domain, but particularly within the public sphere uh, in relation to these questions, notably um, autobiographical material, uh, especially news reporting, press and audiovisual, uh, and interviews that uh, are freely available on YouTube or, or, or uh, other internet social media for uh, sites like Facebook. And, I, and, I, and as an important aspect of, of all of these, therefore, for us is also how to relate these African realities to some of the discussions in queer theory about the power of the Enos. As we shall see, the questions and problems posed by the issues we raise and discuss in these Cameroonian contexts in relation to the link between Freemasonry and homophobia could be traced in some way or another elsewhere in Africa, mainly through the focus on occult imaginaries. Hence, uh, we try uh, to contribute to two strands of analysis in African studies. The first is uh, related to the debates on the current struggles over homosexuality and its, its, its meanings in Africa, and notably in this uh, regard, we uh, were particularly inspired by the work of Stephen Pierce, uh, whose, uh, I think, a paper is a 2016 paper on a similar theme in the context of Nigeria opens up very interesting uh, avenues for discussions. These struggles are part of the broader struggles for sex sexual citizenship uh, in Africa, notably the claims uh, for sexual rights uh, in the face of state repression. Our study therefore shows the usefulness of taking a wider and more historicized view by focusing on these rumors. Although this will not be part of the talk today, the second dimension of our efforts uh, in using these materials is to underline how these struggles over sexual citizenship are also commentaries on the broader post-colonial anxieties and debates about coloniality and decolonization that define the contemporary moment in Africa. Indeed, part of our effort in this project is also about building on earlier debates about French-African relations, notably the criticisms of its nebulous and dark character in the framework of France-Afrique. We use these to examine homosexuality, how homosexuality is generatively uh, connected to Freemasonry as a colonial and post-colonial institution for the sexual subjection of African elites by their Western, particularly French counterpart. In the Cameroonian and Gabonese context that interests us here, uh, in the context of the project, this occult imaginary evokes illicit enrichment by elites through same-sex practices that in some way also imply a magical interpretation of elite power and wealth. So up to this point, what I have been trying to say uh, is, you know, provide some kind of background to uh, how we came about this uh, subject and how we have gone about doing the work um, on the ground. Uh, 
uh, and the slides that Brenda has been showing so far uh, relate to that. Now I would like to then try to situate what uh, anusocracy, the term uh, itself means for us and, and how, how we come to it. So <clears throat> Brenda, please, the next uh, slide after this one, the next one also. Next one, yes. So in many ways, one should think of anusocracy as an image, a ludic image of the anus as a side of power. Cameroonians began using this term, <coughs> excuse me, shortly after the, the live televised sermon of Monsignor Victor Tonyem Bakot, the Archbishop of Yaoundé, on Christmas Day of December 20, uh, 2005. Monsignor Bakot denounced what he described as a global conspiracy by Western governments to destroy the social value of a heterosexual family through the promotion of same-sex rights. Even more, and right in front of uh, the country's elite with President Bia and several ministers of his government in attendance, Bakot denounced the country's elites for their role in satanic esoteric associations as well as in imposing same-sex practices as a condition for access to social mobility, particularly for the youth. The public response to this sermon was dramatic, both in terms of the ways that this sermon was amplified by the media, uh, particularly the press and several elite political actors, and the consequences of these responses for people in the same-sex uh, communities in the country. So uh, perhaps I just go quickly uh, to listing some of those, uh, the elements in this public response that we're talking about. So a, a very notable element is that very soon after the sermon, uh, the sermon was December by February, the first list was published. Um, uh, Brenda, you're going too fast. So a sermon was published. Uh, um, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Um, so so out, the public response came uh, very quickly in February. Uh, the press picked up on the sermon, and one of the things that became a common uh, theme was that uh, various newspapers of uh, dubious uh, renown would publish so-called list of homosexuals in Cameroon. They call them the top 50, the top count homosexuals, so the top 50 homosexuals, and all of these uh, would usually be uh, major political figures or um, notable figures in the domain of sports or um, the cultural industry. And um, in, in, in turn, what this Candelos uh, so-called press outings uh, did was to compel the elites to respond in various ways. One of the ways they responded was for many of the elites to uh, you know, file lawsuits in court and threaten these newspapers. Another way they responded for some of them was um, to go on to explain to some of these uh, newspapers that they are not Freemasons by writing uh, writing either uh, a right of response or going on to um, radio and t TV shows to give interviews, you know, explaining themselves and, and uh, trying to um, declare themselves innocent of all uh, these uh, accusations and suspicions. And I think this theme is one of the things that one of our colleagues, uh, Sibyl Nyek, uh, ha has uh, drawn our attention to the particularity of these. And uh, she and I have started talking about doing something uh, 
uh, in relation to that at some point, the, what she uh, called the confessional model that uh, came out of that from, from the standpoint of the elites. But another reaction that, uh, that this sermon triggered was also that government uh, authorities became very anxious to distance themselves from any appearance that they would be uh, they would be passive in relation to same-sex claims regarding same-sex rights and therefore there was a serious crackdown on same-sex uh, people uh, in in Cameroon particularly in the urban centers and of course that opened the door to all kinds of abuses uh, and repression and um, one of the things that is here on the uh, on the slide that you see is that the repression became so intense that it was even murderous. So people started uh, killing people they think are, are, are guilty of same-sex uh, acts or that affirm their identity as same-sex people. So a notable case was Roger Claude Mbede uh, and, and Limbembe also. And they were killed in their houses in terrible conditions. And uh, Franz Venkat, uh, the French um, international TV station, made a, a detailed documentary on the subject. And in response, the government uh, was very vehement in denying that it's uh, leading a campaign of repression against same-sex people. And of course, that, uh, that whole episode, I think we tried to describe in uh, a, a paper that has just been uh, published uh, last week with African affairs. Uh, and so per, um, perhaps then one should then uh, say that parallel to these or in the wake of these various responses, what also happened was that it triggered an explosive public discussion of the role of Western esoteric associations, especially Freemasonry and AMOC, and their connections to this threat or evil of homosexuality. A notable character in this regard is Atebayene. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, Atebayene, who uh, was a young, uh, a young teacher in, in the university in Yaoundé, Yaoundé too, I think. And he, uh, he was a Catholic, so it's perhaps important to say that a very prominent Catholic. Um, but he was also uh, a notable uh, figure in condemning what he saw as the hold of the evil stronghold of uh, Masonic uh, or esoteric lodges in Cameroon, and notably their desire or project to impose homosexuality on the society. And he uh, he wrote this pamphlet, uh, which a very long title, La Dictature de Lodge. Uh, you can see there is very long. But in the end, he ends with the, the notion lo magico anal, which is basically the combination of magic and uh, the anal. And so this in itself became a new element in the whole, uh, the whole episode. It became quite a, uh, it provided fodder for even more discussions, even more suspicions on elites and on uh, Freemasonry and other esoteric uh, associations in Cameroon. And perhaps the last element to add to that tableau that, that I'm trying to, to, to describe is the, uh, that all of this is taking place or in, unfolding in a context of spectacular elite enrichment amidst stunning levels of elite corruption and general material decay 
that that one witnesses in Cameroon. The roads are terrible. There are, there's no uh, social service provision that is can be considered acceptable. Uh, water the public uh, provision of water is almost absent. Electricity is constantly uh, subjected to, to 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 cuts. And so, uh, for many people, disaffected Cameroonians. Uh, uh, people like ANA and the Archbishop Tonyembakot became somewhat uh, populist uh, figures who spoke to the concerns uh, of the common man against the elite. And I think that is a, it's a very important point to emphasize here, that the, the enrichment of the elite uh, in, in, con in, a, in a context of generalized misery uh, made uh, the context very propitious to these kinds of populist uh, responses to um, to that sermon. And perhaps the last thing to say then that this focus on the image of anusocracy has not faded or receded. Rather, we find it reinvigorated and reproduced in new ways. A most recent example was that the bishops of Cameroon uh, wrote a pastoral letter on Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, and witchcraft in May 2019. And these caused even more more uh, stir into uh, you know this conversation. So they are not. Uh, we are not talking here about something that happened in 2005 and has gone away. It has actually stayed and uh, and become amplified and is therefore uh, for us at least uh, very important to uh, to unpack. So we could spend time trying to unpack these materials associated with each of the materials associated with each of these elements that I have just listed. We will not do this here, partly because some of our discussions of these materials have been the subject of our recent publications on the theme, as well as those of other Cameroonian colleagues. A most uh, recent case is Patrick Awondo's uh, book, Le Sex et son double en post-colonie, which was published last year. And we think it is uh, therefore more interesting to share with you how we tried to mobilize this material uh, to discuss some of the issues around uh, the idea of the annals as a source of power and enrichment. But it is also useful to say quickly that although our primary side of discussion for this paper is Cameroon, the use of anusocracy as a playful form of denunciation of the elite in relation to same-sex issues is not limited to Cameroon. After the Gabonese Senate voted in favor of the decriminalization of same-sex uh, in, in, in Gabon in last year, June of last year, Popular commentary in Gabon was also about how the government by anustocracy had triumphed over, uh, thanks to the Western, uh, the power of Western esoteric uh, associations and gay lobbies. So, so, so it is important to, to, to say that the notion anustocracy has its variant in the neighboring Gabon where they talk about anustocracy. And uh, Peter, uh, you know, can say perhaps more about what it means, uh, what it means in terms of this, uh, the attempt to play around with the idea of democracy uh, or plutocracy. I think anustocracy goes uh, closer to the idea of plutocracy, whereas anusocracy is, uh, is an attempt to make jest of claims by these governments uh, to being democratic, particularly beer in the case of beer. So there is no doubt that the accusation of colonialism is implied in the denunciation of Freemasonry and homosexuality and claims for same-sex rights as un-African. Cameroonian anthropologist uh, Basil Ngio has described the struggles. Uh, Brenda, please, uh, the slides. 
um, I think we are behind now by three or four. Mazinjo has described how these struggles over homosexuality in Cameroon as the questionable effort to define uh, questionable efforts to define a homosexual patriotism. Similarly, between 2009 and 2010, Sexuality Policy Watch, a global forum for research and activism on, on sexuality and political change around the world, supported by major organizations like the Ford Foundation, organized a series of regional dialogues uh, on sexuality and geopolitics in Asia, Latin America, and Africa. In one of the volumes that then emerged from these meetings, uh, titled Sexuality and Politics, Regional Dialogues from the Global South, the editors, uh, Sonia Correa and her colleagues, remarked that uh, at the African Regional Dialogue, the question of colonial legacies yeah, received I'm the off. most attention. Yes. I'm back in. Well, there's sound. That's all. So what is this image of anusocracy or anustocracy that we talk about? And if only to clarify it, how do we engage its fuzziness as it appears in a variety of forms and discourses that link struggles for, same, uh, for sexual rights in Cameroon to magical or invisible power? So far, there has been very little interest in Freemasonry in anthropology or African studies. Two notable examples of anthropological discussions include uh, Abner Cohen's uh, 1981 book on um, the dramaturgy of power in which he talks about Freemasonry in the context of Sierra Leone as a court of elite, el eliteness. As he wrote then, in, in, in 1971 would hear gossip in Freetown to the effect that all appointments and promotions in certain establishments were cooked in the lodges, Sonic lodges, and this should hardly be surprising because this was a society where patronage, rank, uh, Patronage and rank count for a great deal. And Cameroon and Gabon are similar societies where patronage and rank are all about, uh, are very important uh, aspects of uh, everyday reality. And, and as Peter would often uh, remind us of what Cameroonians say, Engrand ne pas petit is a very common, uh, popular uh, saying in Cameroon. For Lilith Mahmoud, whose book was published in 2014, uh, examining the, the female lodges, Masonic lodges in the context of Italy, it is, it is, she was expressing a very strong disappointment at the fact that anthropologists have not been uh, attentive to Freemasonry, if only because um, it would have been important to see how Freemasonry, a colonial form, uh, and even anti-Masonic sentiments that uh, were common in Europe, how it is that these have uh, played out in post-colonial, in other settings around the world, particularly in post-colonial settings where uh, these forms could be easily uh, subject to all kinds of suspicions. And so uh, for us, we, we, we thought it's important to say that, that uh, these are basically the few things that anthropologists uh, have been saying about Freemasonry. And for us, it was Kind of interesting uh, to say, well, what what could we add uh, to this? So this is particularly uh, relevant in, in, in the context of post-colonial settings because it, particularly in the context of Francophone Africa, these networks are very important. They are sizable and uh, they determine, at least they would like people to believe that they determine a lot of what happens in those contexts. Uh, I think it's much more the case that historians have done uh, or been doing more work 
in relation to Freemasonry and basically uh, trying to do so by mapping the history uh, of, uh, of the emergence of Masonic lodges in, in, on the continent. And to the extent that that is the case, often they try to uh, uh, show how these were crucial to the project of uh, empire. And we have elected to approach these images through the idiom of magical or occult politics. And this is partly because this is how people in Cameroon and other settings make uh, between Freemasonry, homosexuality and elite power and enrichment. But we also do so partly in relation to similar attempts by several of our African colleagues, notably Ashil Mbembe and Joseph Tonda, to understand what may initially appear like a sudden interest in or anxieties over these images of the Anus as a side of power. As Thunder writes in his last book, Imperialismo Postcolonial, we live in a time of proliferation of images that, quote, simultaneously fascinate, seduce, astonish, possess, obsess, oppress, suppress, hunt, and in the end even colonize the imaginaries and subconscious of individuals and groups, not uh, only in Africa, but also in Euro-America. Brenda, maybe the next slide. Maybe the next slide, Brenda. Yes. Brenda, thank you. The next slide. Yes, there they are. So here we, we, we juxtapose, even complicate the two images of uh, proposed by Ashil Mbembe and, and Tonda. Uh, on the one hand, uh, whether uh, the Anus as a side of power is a side of depletion in, in uh, Tonda's case. Uh, and in, in the case of uh, Ashil Mbembe, uh, that the annals as a site of power is a site of empowerment. And so we, we wondered what it might mean to think about these struggles over the annals rather in relation to the idea of enrichment. Um, by doing, and we tried to do so initially first by going back to, um, to the work of a German colonial ethnographer, Gunther Thesmann. And, and, and I think here Peter will take take over and, and, and drive the presentation to the end. Okay, is that okay? Brenda, maybe you switch off the slides. The slides are not that important. My slides are not that important. Brenda, can you take away the PowerPoint and just uh, have me on the screen? Yes. There you go. Okay. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, well, I can be very brief because Rogers uh, said it all, but uh, I want to thank also uh, Wale and Oxford for uh, allowing us to present uh, our article here. Uh, and let me emphasize that for me, the whole project is about uh, the need to understand this sudden switch, uh, this sudden in intensification of uh, homophobia in Cameroon around 2005. Uh, I've worked in Cameroon since uh, 71, and this sudden uh, wave of uh, homophobia, homosexuality becoming a public issue, a true moral panic came for me as a complete surprise. So uh, the whole project uh, for me is especially to understand how this is possible and uh, what I should have known uh, not to be surprised by that. Um, it is, uh, in more specifically, it's a follow-up to two articles uh, 
I published earlier in 2012, I published an article with uh, Patrick Avondo, whom Roger mentioned already, and uh, Graeme Reed uh, on homophobia, homophobic Africa, very much with question marks. So the idea was very much to show that uh, you can't say the whole continent is homophobic, that that's nonsense, and that uh, politicization of homosexuality as a major public, as a hot public uh, issue, uh, followed very different trajectories in very different countries. And uh, for Cameroon, I tried to follow that up by uh, an article in 2017 to point out a uh, key role of uh, Freemasonry in that trajectory of uh, uh, intensification of, uh, of a moral panic about uh, homosexuality in Cameroon. Today, uh, I want to follow up uh, what Roger said on this triad of Freemasonry, homosexuality, and illicit enrichment. That's uh, the three key terms uh, in our project. I want to um, uh, follow up what Roger said by emphasizing that this entanglement of these three uh, issues has a much longer genealogy. Of course, uh, Freemasonry was a colonial imposition in Cameroon, as in Africa in general, so there is a colonial background to all this, but uh, the special interest of Cameroon is that uh, this link of uh, transgressive sexuality with illicit enrichment, uh, you can show that it has a much longer history in uh, the Cameroonian context. Uh, in the heart of the, the recent debates on uh, the whole issue, uh, remember what Roger said about his newspapers publishing a list about prominent homosexuals and the moral panic about all that. There were two Cameroonian anthropologists who were very courageous, uh, Charles Kebogo and Patrick Wondo, and Rogers quoted uh, Patrick Wondo already, uh, who continued working on the issue, was very courageous, and both pointed to the work of Gunther Tessman that uh, uh, Rogers, who Rogers was just uh, mentioning, and German anthropologists who worked with the Fang. He spoke of the Fang way, but this word Fang, or not. We speak of Fang rather. He worked at just after 1900, before the establishment of colonial rule. So it is not uh, kind of before uh, uh, colonialism. A relevant Gebogo uh, uh, and uh, I want to uh, uh, dug up uh, Tesman because uh, very interestingly, he talks a lot about sexual uh, medicine, uh, Biangakuma. He calls it Biangakuma, just Fang. Uh, he translates as the witchcraft of wealth, and uh, to his own surprise, it was related to same sex. So he has a whole section about uh, that it seems there is no homosexuality among the Fang, but it is uh, hidden under, he speaks of a stacoclite and uh, uh, eagle's uh, cover. I don't know what, no, in any case, a prickly cover, let's call it like that, and that's this Biangakuma. Uh, um, witchcraft of wealth. Uh, he, uh, Tesman uh, uh, reproduced also a few funk stories about men who lived together and just got very rich. And then uh, we have to add that they both, uh, in both stories, uh, they uh, die of a terrible disease. So the stories are very mixed. The stories have become a locus classicus in gay studies uh, on Africa because they were reprinted in uh, Murray's uh, collection on the uh, Old tra traces of old uh, old traces of homosexuality in Africa. Uh, 
Desman, and that's why it's so interesting for us, was the first to highlight this association of transgressive, transgressive sex with riches. And I think that's a very important, uh, that's a topic we're really struggling with, this link of transgressive sex, notably homosexuality, with riches, with getting rich. Uh, it's tempting to talk a lot more about uh, Tesman. He's a fascinating figure, but I have very little time. So let me just say uh, his interest in anthropology is that he uh, more or less invented fieldwork before Malinowski. Ten years before Malinowski, he was already willing to live for a uh, month on end in uh, Fang villages in very modest uh, uh, circumstances. Uh, the strange thing is that he com combined this with a kind of military style of field work. Uh, the days that his research station was started uh, were beginning with a kind of military parade where all his assistants had to stand in line and salute the flag. And he did not hesitate to beat them up if they didn't do what uh, he wanted. The amazing thing is also that apparently his assistants, Mani Jungen, he calls them, uh, my boys, were very attached to him. Uh, they saved his life several times by carrying him to places where he could get some medicine when he was very ill, etc. It is a fascinating figure. Uh, what is the interest, uh, what I want to talk to, uh, today about, especially his obsession with dualism, his fang, fang ethnography, which is very lively and very, uh, very evocative, is uh, piling up on binary oppositions, uh, man versus woman, uh, soul versus body, good versus bad, and he builds a very, complicated schemes of all these uh, very rigorously schematized uh, uh, binary oppositions, uh, which are in stark contrast to with ethnography, because in ethnography there's a lot more fluidity, a lot more ambiguity, but he, uh, he condenses that in an in a overall scheme that is, which is very, very heavy. Uh, uh, the Biangi Akuma uh, is for him this uh, witchcraft of uh, this medicine of riches, is uh, does fit in in these binary oppos uh, oppositions that he sees as characteristic to the fun. And what is what is interesting for us is that this doubleness has been taken up by successors. There are a lot of anthropological studies on the fun who are part of the wider. Betty group in central uh, Cameroon, part in Gabon. Uh, there were many people after him who wrote about him, and they all uh, faced this doubleness. Uh, most of them could not read Tesman because they didn't read German. But uh, what is striking is that uh, on the point of uh, Bianca Kuma having to do the same sex, uh, uh, his successors completely disagreed. La Burtora, La Burtora may be known by some. Uh, of the, the people present uh, here, he's the, he's the big ethnographer of that group, wrote thousands of pages. He loved Tesman. He was the only one who could read Tesman because he read German and he uh, loved what he did. But he says on the point of same sex, he was completely fooled by his uh, own informant. And that's why it's so interesting that uh, in the heat of these recent discussions about uh, the La Serre de Liste, these prominent these uh, newspaper articles on prominent homosexuals. Uh, a young uh, Cameroonian anthropologist, Severin Cécile Abega, maybe, uh, Brandy, you can show his slide because it's, I, I, I think he should be shown to the people. Uh, oh God, it is about the fifth slide in the PowerPoint. Is it possible, Brenda, to find it? 
Yeah, sorry, which, which slide is it? Uh, you go, go, if you go ahead in the PowerPoint after Tessman, there's, uh, there's uh, Abiga, I think. After these German, oh, I'm sorry, it's complicated. <laughs> I'm sorry we're making such a mess of this. Okay. Um, no, but I'll leave it, leave it, Brenda. It's not that important. I think he's really very important. Uh, Abiga, I must have met him in 2005 at a conference by the Roni, but I don't even remember. And he died in 2008. Very, very sad because his work is really interesting. Um, he reacts to this whole uh, uh, debate on uh, the La Faire de Liste, on these newspapers on uh, prominent homosexuals. And he makes the following points, and he's suddenly much more in agreement with uh, Tessman. He emphasized that for the Petit, that is the, this larger group of which the Fanger also uh, part, uh, every human has a double, that's his uh, insistence. Uh, and he relates that what people call Evou, and Evou is nowadays always translated as sorcellerie, so it is a witchcraft, a kind of basic uh, term all over South Cameroon. Uh, witchcraft. Uh, the problem, the relation to this debate on homosexuality is that for some people the double is of the opposite sex uh, and that's the explanation of men who have a female double, uh, women who have a male double. And this is the explanation why some are homosexual. He speaks also of an homosexual, homosexuality sorciere, and uh, witchcraft homosexuality of luxury. He relates very directly to this idea the grand, the grand, the, the big people, the Freemasons, who are dabbling in these kinds of uh, transgressive sexuality that leads to illicit uh, enrichment. Uh, so he's uh, writing the traces of Tesman with uh, Tesman with his association of same sex with enrichment. Of special interest is Abagas' quite vertiginous uh, overview of all the possible combinations in this respect. Uh, so he sketches this theme of the double can be can lead to combinations, all sorts of combinations. Uh, the grand can impose anal penetration on younger partners to strengthen their own life force, and he is very close to what Achille Bem uh, called uh, phallocracy and uh, kind of. Uh, homosexual uh, uh, anal intercourse as kind of supreme form of uh, phallocracy. Uh, but there's also the inverse. It's also possible the Pacific partner can draw strength from such intercourse, and then he's much closer to Honda's uh, theme, which uh, Roger just mentioned, uh, sex as depletion. The active partner is depleted. He's losing his life uh, force to the passive partner. Uh, Striking in all this, uh, that's what I like in Abagat's work, is the great fluidity. Uh, while with uh, uh, Tessman, binary opposition are frozen, schematic, with Abagat, the world of double, doubles allows for all sorts of possible, of possible, all sorts of possibilities and combinations. In this sense, his work uh, relates very well to the work of another Cameroonian anthropologist, uh, Francis Niamnio. He had wanted to be here today, but he had to go. Stellan Boss. Uh, Nyamdio is uh, uh, also Cameroonian, he's from a very different part of Cameroon as uh, Abaga, and he works now uh, in Cape Town. He is recently um, writing a lot about the Africanist uh, frontiersman, and I think that's a very important uh, expression also uh, 
of course, with uh, Africa and, uh, and African societies as frontier societies, one can think of Kopito, but uh, Nyamyo gives a complete, uh, a very different twist to the notion of frontier, not a frontier in the American sense, the frontier of uh, as a bulldozer which uh, rolls from one sea to the other sea and uh, destroys everything in its path, but frontier as uh, porous, as a place of hybridization, and, maybe an African uh, conception of the frontier. And in that sense, he speaks a lot about the incompleteness of the person. And I think that we are very close to uh, Abega's uh, insistence on this doubleness of the person, these, all these kind of combinations of very different, uh, uh, very different elements. Uh, Abega has also this very, uh, uh, important phrase, I think he talks about sorcellerie as a vision du monde double. Uh, witchcraft is for him a, a vision of the world, uh, of the world of the double. And I think that's it's a lot better than uh, terms like witchcraft and uh, uh, sorcellerie. Okay, um, I have to stop, I think. Wally, can you give me five more minutes or? Uh... Yes, go ahead, please. Oh, that's very nice of you. Uh, a lot more to, to, to be said on all this, and it will be in the last chapter uh, of our book, but uh, I want to finish by uh, raising two points that uh, stand out from the above, and notably from Abbega's explanations, and that I, I think are very important for present-day debates about uh, homosexuality, LGBT rights, and all that, and maybe also for queer theory, uh, queer theory in relation to African reality. First of all, I think um, the link uh, between transgressive sexuality and enrichment, empowerment, transgressive sexuality on one hand, enrichment and empowerment on the other, and uh, uh, more, deserves more attention. Of course, that. Uh, Link is not special to Africa. In our book, we have, for instance, a long session uh, on the French novelist Honoré de Balzac. I was very uh, surprised that he came in here suddenly, but he had to be there. Uh, Honoré de Balzac uh, writes about Le Milieu in uh, 19th century Paris. And what is striking that you see exactly the same mixture of uh, transgressive sexuality, transgender people, uh, homosexual people, same-sex uh, intercourse, and the link with access, access to higher circles. The milieu is on the kind of balancing point between these two. So the milieu is where, uh, where you meet rich people. And I think the, that is more general. The, the, the idea that uh, homosexuality creates networks that give access to uh, power, access to riches, access to whatever, but access is uh, very widespread. But in Africa, uh, the link with enrichment, with enrichment in a quite material sense, is often very important. Uh, certainly not only in Cameroon, in Tesman's Cameroon, or in present-day Cameroon, it's all over Africa, although it goes back a long time. We have examples uh, of from Senegal from the 18th century of this idea of uh, transgressive sexuality uh, gives material access to riches and to empowerment. And um, of course, that is 
it, it is uh, a confusing point because, uh, for instance, in Cameroon, this idea of the homosexual as a girl who uh, is rich and who thrives on uh, anal, anal uh, intercourse is very far from the everyday reality of the homosexuals who are locked up in prisons. They are certainly not uh, these rich people. So the, the image of the homosexual is very ambiguous, very confusing. But even in the case of uh, victims of police harassment, there is the idea, and certainly by the people who denounce them, of uh, homosexuality as providing special access, uh, providing special uh, material advantages. Similar, I think it might. So I think it's necessary to to uh, to dissect that link between uh, progressive sex and uh, material empowerment, uh, rich and rich. On the other hand, I think it may be necessary to uh, to face also the powerful association of same-sex intercourse with witchcraft. Uh, in many African contexts, this association is so powerful that witch is used uh, metonymically to talk about uh, supposed homosexual people. Say, uh, he's, he's, uh, this guy is a witch, and when I asked why, it turned out it was about uh, his inclination to same-sex arrangements. Uh, it's quite clear why this aspect is absent in debates on decriminalization and LGBT rights. It uh, confirms a very negative image of the uh, home of the homosexual. Yet again, I think it's better to face it, to face that link and to try to disentangle it. The problem is, of course, the meaning of terms like witchcraft, sorcellerie, fetisharia, uh, Western uh, terms that have uh, a very negative, a very pejorative implication, but have that have been appropriated on a large scale by Africans. Uh, the problem is that uh, there are bad translation of local no notions that have much more ambiguous meaning. Uh, for instance, the fun notion of evu, which I quoted already, uh, to which uh, Tesman and Abaka refer, is uh, evu is evil and dangerous, but it is it can also uh, help for healing riches empowerment, so it's very ambiguous what uh, EFU really uh, implies. Thus, the association of same-sex intercourse with this medicine of wealth, with witchcraft in general, has many implications. Uh, um, I can only touch on broader theoretical implications of all this, but uh, what we try to further develop is that there uh, it has the convergences, uh, convergences here with queer theory as developed in the West. Uh, for instance, um, I was particularly struck by the work by uh, Mario Nelli, a forerunner, an Italian forerunner of queer theory, who writes very much in the same uh, sense of uh, homosexuality as dangerous as powerful, homosexuality as capable of transforming the uh, transforming the capitalist world and all that. So I think there are very interesting uh, convergences there, but uh, I'm afraid my time is up. So I leave it at that. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, uh, Peter and Rogers, for the fascinating talk. Uh, we will that now open it up for uh, questions and comments. Um, maybe I should start by um, posing a question that, you know, in the context of the experience in Nigeria, I, I, I think 
in most parts of the continent, one of the strongest arguments against you know, a sexual transgression, particularly homosexuality, has always been the fact that it is foreign. I mean, and oftentimes people are not ready to listen to any contrary evidence. It's always the fact that it is foreign. I think perhaps the next thing is about the fact that it, it has caused spiritual pollution of sorts in the continent. But you know, I'm wondering how you, you see that in the context of the Nigerian experience, where uh, the dominant discourse, especially in relation to political power, ha is the fact that, fact in quote, that homosexuality has caused political pollution. Uh, the first coup in Nigeria in 1966, one of the most important accusations uh, against the uh, civilian government uh, was that it was, you know, homosexual, homosexual inclined. Um, and then in 1990, almost four decades later, there was another coup that also described uh, the military government as homosexual centered. So in this experience, the question has perhaps is always about political pollution that, you know, uh, sexual transgression uh, constitute in, in Nigeria beyond uh, the question of the fact that it is foreign or that it causes spiritual you know, pollution. So I'm, I'm wondering whether the Nigerian experience is peculiar in that sense, in terms of how that has been at the center of the struggle for power, uh, especially where that have, I mean, that occurred twice in the struggle to hijack power by the military. Roger, do you want to come in? Rogers, are you there? <laughs> Rogers? I think Rogers. Roger, you have to unmute yourself. I don't see. Okay, yes. Shall I? Is he there? Yes. Do you want to answer? Shall I answer? You you start? Yes, I can I can start, Peter. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you very much, Wally. I think the in the in the article there's a place where we we mentioned briefly indeed the fact that the coup um against babangida in the 90s was uh was described in those terms as a a ban of a reaction against a ban of homosexuals and one of the things that we trails babangida in popular rumors to this day is that he led a a group of homosexuals uh, while he was in power. And it's an interesting uh, parallel that you draw, the parallel between uh, the, the idea that sexual transgression generates spiritual pollu pollution and the contemporary idea or experience in Nigeria that um, every moment when uh, there's been uh, a coup, the response, the popular response from below against those who seize power uh, is that uh, they are a group of homosexuals. Now, um, what is inter interesting for me in those terms is that uh, we have to take into account uh, the, the repressive environment that people live and how easy it is for them to use the language uh, of uh, homophobia as a, a tool of denunciation. So I think for me that will be the first the first thing is that in a context of repression, uh, people in, the, in I'm speaking here specifically to Nigeria, but of course uh, not only, that repressive contexts are constantly in search of uh, uh, 
the the what you call the soft targets or or victims and constantly the the figure of of the homosexual is deemed to be uh, that kind of soft target you can uh, you can uh, easily attack. So there is a kind of moral, almost a moral uh, uh, moral terrain that that people inhabit uh, when they are dealing with uh, with uh, with the figure of the homosexual. So that's one of the the things, but. In the context of Cameroon, also the notion of, of sexual transgression as pollution uh, is is interesting, uh, and is interesting precisely because of what Peter was saying um, that transgression is not necessarily lived. It's it's recognized that it is polluting, but it is also recognized as a pollution that is generative. And I think perhaps if we, what would happen if we move that argument close to the Nigerian? Uh, in the, to the Nigerian context, we transposed it. Uh, what is what is generated in when people uh, say that the military, whatever military group of military uh, people uh, are homosexuals? What are the kinds of generative uh, things people are talking about? I, I think for me that is one way uh, one should should uh, do it. And but I'm also very curious to hear more about what you call political pollution. Uh, it will be interesting to flesh out the idea a little bit and and, and tease it and see what, what what it produces for the kinds of analysis that we we try to do here. Can I come in? Do first? you want to add? Yes, yes, I want to add. I think it's uh, it's Nigeria is not at all uh, exceptional with this argument that uh, homosexuality is uh, imported uh, is a colonial import. We haven't. Other article that will be chapter four in the book uh, on uh, the Cameroon the, nowadays, uh, the figure of Ozula. Ozula was a uh, French doctor who played an important role in decolonization in the 50s. Uh, in the after 2000, he suddenly comes back. There's a whole rumor mongering about him that Ozula really was an homosexual and was a Freemason, and he has uh, corrupted the whole Cameroonian elite. So. Uh, Hitio, Abia, all the leaders, uh, uh, the two presidents, Hitio uh, was the first president, Abia uh, the second part, they're all the lover boys of uh, Ozula, and uh, that's that's how homosexuality entered Cameroon. Uh, that made uh, SN, our colleague SN Yek, uh, uh, Rogers quoted her already, she has this uh, funny phrase, uh, does it take, is one penis sufficient to corrupt the whole elite? So that's the Nigerian argument, which I, I like that phrase. And it's uh, the, the very much the idea, it's all important from outside. What's interesting in Cameroon, and that's why Tesman is so interesting, that uh, there's this Bian uh, Akuma and other, other groups that other uh, ideas, but there's homosexuality, homosexuality, the same sex, let's call it like that, all over. And uh, that's Abaga's strength also, he's, he's kind of, open so that is there it's all sorts of different uh, ideas and different combinations and as for nigeria i mean uh, voila i think maybe you know the uh, argument uh, randy matori had with the yoruba feminist on uh, his book yeah. on african religion uh, yes. uh, uh, randy was very i like him he's very courageous and uh, he uh, did a book on uh, african religion between yoruba and candomblé in uh, brazil mm -hmm. and he says that uh, the role of the homosexuality in brazilian candomblé many uh, priests 
have to be possessed by a spirit. And so it's like a horse, they are ridden by the, they are, what do you say, they mounted by the, by the spirit and all that is clearly uh, same sex, there's clearly kind of anal intercourse, that that was not a Brazilian invention, as uh, feminists always say, but that it was there already in Yoruba religion, and he produces all these images of uh, transgender priests in Yoruba religion, and uh, many of his Yoruba friends were furious about that, but I think his point is very right, uh, and he, he was very courageous in raising that. So for Nigeria, there's also a lot of details that there's a much older uh, uh, history, a much older genealogy, the Yandaudu in the north, but also in, in the south uh, of uh, same-sex arrangements, only you didn't call it homosexuality. The point is the same uh, in Morocco. In Morocco, it's so old as... Uh, Nowadays, people all say homosexuality is a French imposition, while uh, it goes back for centuries and centuries. So, I think, but it's it's very interesting what you raise, and it's very interesting that this uh, insistence on colonial uh, corruption gets much much more at, uh, uh, emphasis quite lately after 2000. That is after internet produced images of. Uh, a gay identity that was global, that's a real turning point, and then the backlash is there, it's all colonial. Thank you. Uh, David? Thank you very much. Thank you both. Very, very interesting. I want 